I bring you greetings uh, from uh, my family, my wife Benita and uh, three kids uh, send their greetings. And uh, we are still counting, we are number three, we are expecting number four in Jan the 22nd and uh, it's a joy uh, to be a parent. I also bring you, <laughs> I also bring you greetings from um, my colleagues that I work with, the pastors that we serve. They know I'm here. Uh, they've been praying for my trip and uh, the colleagues that I work with every Thursday, we've dedicated it to pray for our partners, including uh, Bethany Community Church. And uh, it's a joy to get prayer requests uh, from Nathan. We always pray for your health and strength and commitment to the good news and advancing it on this land. And it's a joy to come back and worship and fellowship with you today. Thank you so much, uh, the leadership of Bethany Community Church, for the privilege to share today uh, with your people. And uh, I want to take it on from where request, I was requested to read from uh, Romans chapter 3. I know we've been going through uh, Romans chapter 1 and uh, Romans chapter 2. But uh, it's been very clear going through Romans 1 and Romans 2 that uh, we are all guilty, that all humanity, uh, we share the depravity that we see in the world, and we are all sick, really, and we all need a savior. Amen? Yeah. Uh, Romans 3, 9, 10 says, uh, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. And that's the word of God. If there is no one who is righteous, we've seen it uh, in my community, in Rwanda, we've witnessed this. Uh, as Pastor Richard uh, has just shared, we lost brothers and sisters, we lost family, uh, a million lives were killed within a hundred days and they were killed by brothers and sisters. They were killed by their neighbors. And uh, this happened actually even just right after Easter, because it was in April. And uh, it was terrible to see that this is not an act that was done by people who didn't know Christ. By then, my country, 94% of them were identified as Christians. And this horrifying and traumatic event happened on the land. Now, that happened and uh, left also a very big mark on the nation. We had lots of orphans. We had widows. We had uh, many refugees because people had to flee the country. Uh, those who stayed or those who ran away had lost hope. If you've lost everything, then what is there to keep? So people got into drug use, got on alcohol, and that raised the HIV uh, prevalence rate. I remember it was at 16% at, at the time. And uh, lots of things happened. But by the grace of God, in the midst of that, We've seen the hand of God, and there is progress uh, in this country after 24 years. 
you can't imagine uh, when you come to my country, when you see uh, people walking in the community, the roads, the people, the smile, the joy, you can't comprehend how it used to look like. I remember in 1994, right after the genocide, there are some places you could not drive if your windows are not up because of the stench that was out on the streets. You had to raise up your, hand, your windows because it was too much. But now it's a, one of the cleanest cities in the African continent. So I'm saying all this to, to show you that we are all potential candidates of this sinful nature. This unrighteousness is within us. And Romans 3, 18, 20, 18 says, There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. There is no fear of God before their eyes. At that time, there was no fear of God in this land. Because there's no way you can see Paul killed Luke, Luke killed Mark. People would get babies and smash them on the wall. They killed people in the most dehumanizing way you can ever imagine. So that in itself, there was no fear of God. And that's what happens when a nation removes God. When the nation starts not to fear God, it will come. Such evil things start to happen in a society. And I pray that as followers of Christ, that we'll become very aware that we need to bring back the fear of God in our society. We need to bring back the honor and the fear of God in our families, in our schools, in our healthcare system, that it comes to be part of our society. Because if it doesn't happen, then terrible things start to happen. Because we've seen this happen for years, it's not only the 1994, but also for many generations before, that whenever a nation removed God, that bad things happened. The scripture also tells us that through the law we become conscious of our sin. The law is more like a, a diagnostic tool that is going to expose how sinful we can be. Because if you try to follow all the laws you'll not comply. At one point, you'll definitely fail. So what the law really does is to expose to us how sinful we are. And if you are to follow the law, the only thing that will be identified in a society, in a nation, is to expose how sinful we are. And that in itself is not good news to us because you already know. So there's nothing new about that. 
And the only way out that Christ has put uh, in place for us is what's written here in Romans 3, that this righteousness that we all seek, that we all want to see happen in our community is given through faith in Jesus Christ, all who believe. There's no difference between the Jew, there's no difference between the Gentile. Because when you look around, most of the issues that we see that happen, it's because of uh, conflicts, because of a selfish nature, it's because of division that goes on and goes on and goes on and goes on. That when a society starts to get divided and gets to be divided, then the results will be things that will destroy a nation, will be things like the genocide, will be uh, devastating situations. But the good news is this, that through faith in Jesus Christ, all who believe that we will be justified by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Because he's a just God, he gave us this free gift through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. And this is an open free gift that we have to make a choice and accept. Now at times, the culture we live in, it is very hard to comprehend free things because we've been taught, the way of life teaches us that you get to earn in life what you've worked for, that there is no free lunch, everything you have to work hard for it. So in, you're given a free gift. At times, it's very hard to comprehend. But that's what Christ wanted us, so that no one could boast that I worked hard for this salvation, that I worked hard to receive this good news. We saw in Romans earlier that the gospel, it is the power of God to salvation and is for everyone. Now, the salvation that we receive freely helps us to pay that penalty that we are all supposed to pay. And when you receive this gift of salvation in your life, you're born again. Things change in your life. I've seen this happen in my life. I've seen this happen in my friends. I've seen this happen in my family because my history, before I met Christ, I was a different man. When I was still at high school, I started getting into the use of drugs into, and my life was off. I had a thirst for alcohol. I, I drank everything. I drank liquors, I drank beers, I drank warm, I drank cold, everything. <laughs> I always share that I drank all the way from West Africa to East Africa, from North Africa to South Africa, but my thirst never got quenched. It's, it's not until I met Jesus Christ that I started to get filled up again, and he quenched my thirst. Amen? And that's what people need now. The person who introduced me to the good news, 
that changed me, that filled me. And I'm still on the journey because once you receive Christ, you're justified, penalty paid, but you begin the journey of sanctification because it's now a process and that comes by hearing, by learning, by studying the word of God. And that's the struggle that the gospel helps us daily because it's the power of God to break the sin in ourselves. And that's a, a journey that we, are, we all get onto. Now, an ordinary church member came, found me in the bar and shared the good news. By the way, there is this body of Christ, you can come. And I was encouraged because I thought, at least I finally found someone who is not telling me which the next bar to go to. All is, he's not asking me money to buy more alcohol and was giving me something different and out of love. I'm saying this to say that I'm able to be a witness of what Christ can do in people's lives because of an ordinary person who stood out and saw the situation I was in. He didn't give me money, but he gave me the good news that there is a savior who can turn my life upside down. And I'm encouraging you that as you go back to your families, as you go to your communities, that we do not have enough pastors. We do not have enough evangelists. We do not have enough teachers. But if you are to share what we have and welcome people, the rest Christ will do. And that's how I happened to meet Christ. And I think this is a, a, a role that the broken world out here needs to hear the good news. And we are all carriers of this uh, good news. And uh, when Christ was on the cross in John uh, 19, that after he had drunk that uh, sour wine, he said, it is finished. Amen? He said, it is finished. And I'm glad he didn't say, I'm finished. <laughs> because he still lives today. What was finished was that gift of salvation that he had fought for and there it was. And people need this good news. If there is nothing that is liberating that will change people's life, it is not how much money, it is not how much food, it is not, it is not things. People need Christ. In the programs that we do, the partnership that we have with Bethany Community Church in the communities where we are serving, we have programs. We have savings group, we have water projects, we have agriculture programs. But as much as all these are good, we do not want the opportunity to share the good news with the people we are serving. You can have all the money, but you miss hope. You'll miss eternal life. And it's not full until we give an integral solution to people. And it's a joy to have, to witness this happen, and it's being done by ordinary uh, people. So thank you so much, Bethan, again, for your commitment and continued partnership to see uh, that our people are served from a spiritual, physical, social, and uh, an emotional uh, needs are being uh, met. The gospel, the beautiful thing about it, uh, it reveals God's righteousness, not your sins or your righteousness. It is going to reveal God's righteousness, 
the more you expose this, the more people really understand the righteousness and the faithfulness uh, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, this is the only hope we have to give to people. And because of the different uh, activities we get uh, involved into our communities, we've seen that as much as you have received Christ in your life, that's not the end of it. That you also requested to do something. And we've encouraged church members to walk and step out of their community and start doing some unity and reconciliation in their communities. And I've seen the beauty that comes when people, followers of Christ in unity, step out of their comfort zone and start to do some work. I personally have benefited from it, and I love the fact that Bethany, as a board of Christ, has really encouraged the power of fellowship in community because that has been very helpful to me as a person. I've witnessed it in my life uh, through a group of uh, men that uh, we've walked a journey for the past uh, seven years now. We met when we just got married. We had few fathers to look up to and we got together and said, okay, we need to figure this thing out of being a husband. And we, we helped each other and we started meeting, you know, every week. We started in the morning uh, because we didn't have kids. Breakfast time was very good when the kids came into the picture. We had to take them to school, so we stopped meeting in the, in the morning. Now we meet at 8 p.m. <laughs> because now everyone is at home, all is good, and now we, we meet at 8. Because that's the only time slot we found that works. For us, and time will come back. Maybe we'll get back to seven when they've all left the house. <laughs> but the, this group has really helped me uh, to be re, to be checked. And this group was formed not because some of the people we liked each other, and that's the thing that in community you don't necessarily need to be around people who are like you, people who think like you. That you need all people. In this group, there are people that. One of the pastors really has kept me accountable on my weight. <laughs> and at times I want to run away from him when I see him. <laughs> but God has brought him into my life to, you know, to really ask me, Moses, if you're really serious about your life and you really love your family, you have to take care of your weight. And I've, I've done a very good job so far because <laughs> it used to be bad. <laughs> you know, I used to be 120, I'm now 102. So there is progress and there is hope. And then another, another gentleman keeps me accountable to my family, you know. And another one keeps me accountable in my spiritual life. And we on all at times we don't agree on certain things. And that's what community is all about. That if we are in a community and everyone, we are all the same, we think the same, then it's not going to be helpful at all. And so that's why, for the work I do, we've seen that the God of the Anglicans is the God of the Presbyterian, is the God of the Baptist, is the God of the Charismatic, is the God of the Methodist. And our work is to say, let us get together as a body of Christ and Respect each other for a difference because unity does not necessarily mean uniformity. 
that you can be unified and we can respect each other for our own differences. But it doesn't mean that we should destroy each other. So through the work that we do, we've seen that and agreed that the Great Commission and the Great Commandment is not Anglican, it is not Presbyterian, it is not Baptist, but it is for all of us. And that one we've agreed. We've agreed that the need for agriculture to develop is not a need for the Pentecostals and not a need for the Methodists. It is a community need, and we are going to focus on this. So we've learned to say, okay, we are different, but let's focus on that where we all need each other, on those areas of common interest, those areas of common hearts where we are all hurting, where we need to help one another and let the others. And what we've seen when you start focusing on this, it's wonderful to see in the work we do, pastors from different denominations coming to visit one pastor, share a meal, share cows, celebrate together, in one home. Now that sends a powerful message to the community. The community starts to see that actually these people are brothers and sisters. Yes, they worship at different place, but they follow one Lord and they follow one God. And that's what we need today because we've seen that there is beauty in unity. Now they're able to share pulpits, they share resources, they share choirs, they share keyboards, they share everything as much as possible. And it is a joy to see this happen in my country, because of our history, we've seen unity. We were so divided. We had national IDs that had Tutus, that had Tutsis, and had Twa. Now only have one card. It doesn't have those descriptions of people. We are all one. I can go to school without thinking how am I going to be perceived. I can apply for a job without thinking. <coughs> that I will get a job because of who I am or I'll be denied the opportunity to serve because of who I am. And that has been a very big step. And I'm grateful for a leadership that made unity and reconciliation a priority to national uh, development. But the hurting thing is to see that irrespective of the history and the progress that at times countries are neighboring countries, you still see these conflicts that still happens when you go to Burundi, when you go to South Sudan, when you go to different countries all over the world are still hurting and they're still seeing division, you know? And it's the same even in this nation. You know, when you look at the news, it's not good news. And I think it's time that we as followers of Christ that we start to mirror that spirit of unity and reconciliation in our societies. Because we've seen from the history of Rwanda, from the history of different nations that have gone through division that it doesn't turn out to be good. And brothers and sisters, I would encourage you that we continue to be champions of unity and reconciliation in our communities where we live, in our families. Because if this division continues like this, it may turn out to be very bad. Because we've seen that division never yields any good fruit. And we'll continue to pray that uh, the believers 
and the followers of Christ in this land of America will continue to champion the spirit of unity and reconciliation because that's what the world needs. Many nations are looking up to you and whatever you do will affect not only the people of this land but even the other nations. So may God bless you so much and uh, I love you so much. Thank you.